0: little impossible to say I think yeah
1: why would you trade a younger cheaper third baseman for an older more expensive third baseman
2: stop right there Barry stop (laughs) right there And welcome to episode number 91 of Artificial Turf Wars, where half of us made it to spring training without straining or pulling anything. I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined tonight by Joshua Housem. Josh, how's it going?
0: Good. How are you?
2: Uh, it's going It's going well. Uh, weather's improving. Now, as it were, you are the half that's in Florida, so the weather I'm talking <laughs> about is modestly improving. How are things in Florida?
0: No, it's it's not so bad down here. It's, I, I was going to say it's not as hot as it could be, but I really can't complain considering where I came from. So <laughs> it's awesome. I'll just go with that.
2: All right. So tonight we have a full show for sure. We are going to talk about the Jays um, in spring training. We tend to focus on the individual results as usual rather than any of the record uh, or or the game results as it were, although there was a fun one today in which 13 runs were scored for the good guys. Uh, The Jays keep signing people because there's still free agents out there. Tyler Clippard is the get for this week. Uh, Good news about Marcus Stroman. Bad news about Steve Pierce. And the MIA San Juan. Oh, we'll talk about briefly. Our uh, Mark Shapiro, our fearless leader of the Blue Jays, I guess, was on Jeff Blair and uh, had some minor highlights. Uh, things he mentioned, we have an interview with RJ Anderson, who's going to bring us to, up to speed on whatever it is the Rays are trying to do. We have your questions, and we have a do-over from a former Sportsnet personality. Shall we begin? The Jays are 5-8, and eight, which is fantastic as far as the spring record goes.
0: Hey, <laughs> yeah, they're not in last place anymore, so hooray for that i don't know should you get a special award if you come last in the grapefruit league like congratulations your minor leaguers aren't good enough to play against other people's um
2: i think there should be a special award for winning split squad games like the soft end of the split squad should always be they should count double or something
0: jay swept the split squad double header today see or double headers maybe not the right word split squad whatever
2: uh, yeah, it's all, as, as a group, it's some pretty strange stuff, and for those of you who are maybe newer Blue Jays fans and have not been down to really pay attention to spring training, that starting lineup and those guys who play the 8th and the ninth and score all those runs late off of those pitchers are not people you've ever heard of. They're different groups of people entirely, Um, let alone the fact that literally sometimes four major league guys make a road trip if it's any, any significant distance away from Dunedin.
0: And, you know, the major league aspect of that can certainly be fun to watch. Like, did you see the lineup the Jays sent to play the Twins in Fort Myers? No, I missed that one. It was the Buffalo Bisons.
2: <laughs> but,
0: but but because if... Teoscar Hernandez and Dalton Pompey had, and Ezekiel Carrera had played in the big leagues, Ta-da! they counted. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Twins did the same thing the next day, coming to play the Blue Jays. It was the, whatever, the Twins, Rochester.
2: A bus ride can apparently ruin a delicate major leaguer. So (laughs) you wouldn't want to do that. Uh, We were going to talk about more about perhaps the individual performances. Uh, Russell Martin was someone you wanted to highlight because he seems to be having a good spring.
0: Yeah, he's he played third base for some strange reason. Today, we're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, they had two games going and they couldn't find a place for him to catch or dh I, I, I don't really get that but anyway third baseman russell martin hit his third home run of the spring and it's obviously great to see martin healthy and producing because i think that kind of the big subplot with all these people they've picked up he's the guy who has to stay healthy
2: they did not pick up a backup catcher in the major league sense of a back, backup catcher you know i i can play 100 games if something happens we, we don't have that guy because as, as much as Luke like can throw people out when he's called upon better than, than a lot of people, that's about all he can do.
0: Right. And now, this isn't as much of a problem necessarily come June, July, you know, or, or some point down the road because Danny Jansen is there waiting in the wings, but he's not ready just yet. And, you know, Reese McGuire is definitely not ready just yet. So if Martin has a season like last year we he played 91 games... This team could still be in some trouble. So I think that he's kind of the key to watch going forward for this team.
2: Uh, the other guy who keeps uh, hitting bombs is, of all people, Curtis Granderson.
0: <laughs> Talk about ingratiating yourself at the team. <laughs> Show in a up, hit a In a his bomb. first game, first at bat, and then hit another one a few games later and just hit another one today. And so that's three for him. He's hitting 333 with a 1.5 OPS in the spring.
2: I mean, it's better than limping in, uh, for sure, 100%. Yeah, it
0: doesn't mean a whole lot, as you're implying there, by better than limping in. <laughs> but when you have a guy coming into a new team and he's old, and he's 37 years old, old for baseball, since you'd like to throw these qualifiers in, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's nice to see that at least uh, the power, which is one of his calling cards, is still there.
2: Yeah, I mean, you, you want a guy who's ready to play. Uh, he's He's obviously ready to play. Sounds like he could be be some fun to watch this year. Uh, I I like it. I, I'm not you know I'm not gonna now suddenly say oh, Curtis Granderson should play every day. That would be a bit crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, Devin Travis continues to play as well. Just as a just a side note, he appears to be moving around on the knee well and hitting pretty well too.
0: Yeah, he had his first home run in the spring today as well.
2: I, I'm wondering. I, I we were thinking maybe the Major League Baseball will change the ball again very quietly back to something more normal and I, based on the balls that they shipped in spring training I'm thinking no.
0: <laughs> mean because the Jays hit 5 home runs today and the previous game the Twins hit 4 of them.
2: Something like that. Yeah, I don't see I don't see a downward trend here at all whatsoever. Um, yeah,
0: it's certainly not looking like it.
2: Which probably brings us to the reason they maybe shouldn't have signed Tyler Clippard. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm what so tyler Clippard's problem as a reliever has always been he's a little bit homer prone which you know as a reliever is kind of important because if yeah. you're pitching late in games one run is often the difference
2: i mean homer but, prone or not he is undeniably fly ball prone
0: yes he's an extreme fly ball pitcher he's one of those high rise four seamers like marco estrada not to estrada levels but that's how he gets out High-rise four-seamers in a change-up. He might be good. Uh, you know, Last year, he wasn't. Objectively, astro- <laughs> Clippard was terrible. But the year before that, he was pretty good. And the years before that, he was great. And there's no—he aside. He lost a little bit of velocity, and that's obviously concerning. But the stuff, for the most part, is still there. And he's only 33. It's not like he's a 37-year-old reliever coming in.
2: This does seem very typical of the Jays pickup in terms of looking for a guy who might regress both in the home run and walk department uh, back to his career sort of average. And they'll have a decent piece.
0: Yeah, I think it's important that you mention that because he's always been, like you said, a little home run, little fly ball prone. But last year, he just couldn't throw strikes. And that's very unusual for him. He's never been, you know, he's never been Roberto Osuna command kind of guy but he didn't walk four and a half batters per nine before last year. So I think there's, like you said, there's some good chance for positive aggression. And if not, it's a minor league deal. And so what?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I just, this is very Blue Jays as of late, since this new regime came in. If they're going to take a flyer on a guy, it's a guy who used to walk a, you know, a reasonable amount of people, not some sort of pinpoint control artist, and then suddenly couldn't find the strike zone. Uh, but isn't like 25 where you think, well, maybe there's something mechanically wrong completely with him, uh, you know, a little bit older. He can probably get that back is their assumption. And for the most part, I think they've they've ended up on the right end of that deal more often mm-hmm. than not.
0: Yeah, I think we actually talked about this way back when the Jays brought in first, well, Liriano and Benoit. They did it with Jason Grilly. They did it with Joaquin Benoit and they did it with Francisco Liriano It's like, yeah, these guys aren't command specialists, but these walk rates are way outsized even for them. And I think you're right. You expect it better to be able to fix it.
2: Cool. Uh, Speaking of things getting fixed, apparently Marcus Stroman's shoulder has healed mightily on its own, which is the only way to heal inflammation.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It it certainly has improved to the point that he's going to start throwing again. And that's kind of the obviously the big hurdle for him. If he can throw and not feel anything then he can start really warming up and ramping up and pitching. Because if the team misses him for a week or 10 days, it's two starts of Joe Biagini, not the worst thing in the world. And that's kind of where we're at right now. It's just if this keeps continuing later and later, then you're looking at a month, month and a half, and that's when it starts to become a big problem.
2: I thought that John Gibbons, I think he had a quote that, the doctor said it will never bother Strowman again. And I was like,
0: really? You just said that? (laughs) how do you know that yeah that, uh, was, that was kind of um <laughs> little little impossible to say i think yeah i
2: don't even know who says you know as a, even as a coach why would you say that uh what's the biggest problem with steve pierce josh that he's
0: very injury prone
2: <laughs> yes that is exactly the problem and he's injured
0: <laughs> yeah i mean the way that was reported there were people who were at this game and they were looking at it. It's like Steve Pierce went out for warmth and has walked off the field. And she's like, Oh God, she's like, not already. Another one. And it's just a calf dream. And Gibby said, you know, he's just dehydrated. It's nothing. So he's going to be out six weeks. <laughs> 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 well,
2: <laughs> that's apparently not enough bananas in Florida to help him <laughs> with his cramp. Uh, how many weeks is he really going to be out? Is it six now?
0: <laughs> no, it's for real, he's only he's just day-to-day, I and mean, they expect him to be back in pretty quickly. But just sort of the joke about when Tulowitzki came into camp. And yeah. he's like, Oh yeah, it's, it's nothing serious. He'll be fine when he gets here. He's not gonna open the season on the roster. So Gibby's injury reports <laughs> tend to be wrong or just yeah. uninformed.
2: Yeah. Which is uh so yeah, we'll see what happens with Pierce. Obviously, uh no shortage of outfielders who could give that, that a crack, so it's it's of all the people to have a cap strain, um, probably one of the lowest impact areas. Love you, Steve. I mean, any guy who hits walk-off grand slams, I love. But uh, what can you do? And uh, the other guy we have not seen is Sung-hwan Oh.
0: Yeah, for those of us or those who are wondering why the essentially marquee free agent reliever pickup hasn't pitched yet, it's because he can't get a visa yet. He signed really late, so it's a long process, especially with the United States right now, to get one. He's a Korean player. He's not an American or Canadian. So it, he will be pitching. It's just that's that's all it is. Right now, he's still throwing in the backfields and doing simulated games and live batting practice. He just can't play in a game legally.
2: Because they can't pay him to play in said game? Is that...
0: hmm
2: Yeah, wacky. Uh, Mr. Shapiro, the big cheese uh stopped by Jeff Blair's show where I'm told despite being told that people would have a chance to ask him questions he took a grand total of like 3 calls in a 2 hour segment
0: 1 hour segment but yeah oh, one hour Blair se- <laughs> Blair and Brunt sort of forgot about the questions from callers part of this thing
2: Yeah I mean why why would you you know if you were tuned in for that and specifically waited on hold for 45 minutes why would you actually want to talk to the guy <laughs> Uh, so a couple of the things that I, I, again, I didn't listen to the whole piece. I just picked the highlights off of the website. Uh, he was happy about not having to sign a lot of minor league free agents in order to backfill all of his rosters with, uh, not prospects, but as we, I guess, call them guys or not guys, um, role players. Uh, is this minor league system more robust than we've seen it in the past few years?
0: I think it's a clear yes. It especially it's more robust at the upper levels, which has been the problem for this team. I mean, look at last year's minor league rotation. It was it was a Matt Latos, Mike Bolsinger, Nick Teppish, and TJ House. Just not a prospect among them. Whereas this year you have uh, Tom Pannone, you have Chris Rowley, you have Ryan Barucky, you have Taylor Guerrero, and you have Deck McGuire potentially. I'm not sure exactly or <laughs> Joe Biagini. All young, all with actual upside and available to help and i think that's really important and then you mentioned the glut of outfielders they have a major league potential outfield sitting in triple a
2: and controllable so i think that's the other problem with the minor league old guy is often you bring him up once and you don't have any options so
0: you you have to release him to send him down
2: and and that creates a little bit of uncertainty in the middle of a season where um i mean it's it's not critical that the people in AAA are, are managing a team to win, but it certainly does keep the relationship with the minor league team friendlier if you can give them a consistent product to put out on the field.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That definitely is something we, Bennett Brower, our minor league former GM for baseball perspectives, Toronto has talked about this a few times that keeping the affiliates happy is something that often doesn't get considered really, but it matters. I mean, it's why the Jays ended up in Vegas. Yeah.
2: So that lesson probably learned. So uh, that's good. Uh, Also, um, Spiro's talking about not just counting on a a bow and a Vlad because you you need to have, you know, you need to let the chance of people failing be a real thing. And I, I think that's fair. Not every prospect hits, even if he starts off well. And in that same breath, he raved about Nate Pearson again, who has 20 innings last year that he threw.
0: Hey, he threw in the playoffs, too. I think he got up to 27. Ooh. (laughs) You know, I I get it. I get raving about your prospect who you didn't even think he was this good when you drafted him. And I think it helps just with the perception of the club, and I think that's important for what Mark Sparrow is trying to do, is that, hey, this team that we have right now is pretty good. They might compete. They might not. We don't know. But there's a lot coming behind it if this doesn't work. I think it's important to sell that.
2: Yeah, I, I think the the old team is the boring team, um, and the Blue Jays are certainly going in a younger direction. I think you have to keep reminding people that until the until there's you know uniform numbers and faces to put with those people, I think it's a tough sell. I think you might yeah. you know there there is that in between period for a team, absolutely.
0: And one of the big things that when Ross Atkins was hired, and which people have harped on this idea that they wanted to get younger and more versatile and more athletic. And then they signed Morales and Pierce and people laughed at how silly that was. This is how they're doing it. this, uh, that outfield that I, that we talked about with Dalton Pompey and Anthony Alford, Chas Cortanez, and Dwight Smith, that's one of the fastest outfields in professional baseball. And they've got the versatility with Diaz and Solarte. And then down in the minors, you have Urania and Gurriel who can play a bunch of positions. So, this is how they're doing it they're doing it from the ground up as opposed to going out and signing those guys because those guys cost a fortune in free agency
2: which makes sense and, and the trick is to somehow turn those guys potentially into i think an all-star somewhere you know whether it's that, those guys or whether it's it's you know sending them off and packaging them off and, and finding a way to get value for value and, and get a star player because i think that's where the Jays this roster again this is a process I I agree with you it's not a I honestly don't think 2018 for them is a is a uh, year where they think that things are going to be great but they are setting up well for 2019 2020
0: yeah I agree
2: all right so we just raved about their long-term plans we're going to do the exact opposite of that with Tampa Bay and RJ Anderson coming up in just a few seconds would like to welcome back to the show after a very long hiatus, Mr. RJ Anderson of CBS Sports. RJ, welcome to Artificial Turf Wars.
1: Thanks for having me back, fellas.
2: Well, you didn't uh, curse and swear at us last time, so we thought, eh, <laughs> how bad could it be? Uh, no, you are our on-again, off-again Rays fan expert uh, aficionado, as it were, and there are not a lot of Rays aficionados out there compared to, say boston people uh so good on you for keeping up with this particular franchise uh which is is really kind of uh in an odd situation this off season so right off the bat they're, they're they appear to be not certainly not going all in not spending a lot of money but they have a tv deal upcoming they have a new stadium upcoming how should they be looking at payroll at this point
1: that's a good question, and it's something that's been argued about a lot lately uh, within the Rays fan base and even, you know, spilling over to the national scene. And, you know, just to recap some of the numbers, the Rays payroll is going to be around $73 million, depending on if they make another move, you know, either signing someone or trading someone away or what have you. And if you read John Heyman's recent piece on FanRag Sports, he said that the Rays received $50 million in revenue sharing last season, they received 50 million as part of the BAM tech sale that every team received this winter. And you, you mentioned the new television deal. They're about to sign a billion dollar TV deal that will pay them something like 80 million a year, which is a pretty big leap over their current deal. So, you know, just taking all those, you know, those three figures together, that's a lot of money that they're not spending on the big league payroll. You add in some of the moves they've done lately. They basically dumped Corey Dickerson to save 1.5 million. They basically dumped Jake Odorizzi. Uh, they really haven't been active on the free agent market in a meaningful way ever than signing Carlos Gomez. And that came after a, another trade of Steven Souza Jr. It's not a great situation. And there's a lot of curiosity here because, you know, this is a team the Pakoda had down for 84 wins. Well, if they were to go out there and sign Neil Walker, instead of running out Joey Wendell and Daniel Robertson at second base, you might be talking about 86 wins. Now I'm not saying I believe that projection, but, but, you know, there's a case to be made here that this team should be taking advantage of the slow market, adding a couple more wins and potentially pushing themselves toward a playoff appearance.
0: Now, I mean, that's a very good point in terms of what they should be doing. But you, you, know, you mentioned the BAM tech money that came in, the 50 million. And the, this has led to, along with the revenue sharing, a disagreement and a grievance from the MLBPA. Do you think there's any kind of case there, considering no one is, seems to
1: be spending any additional money of that 50 million that's coming in. I think it's a complicated case to make. And you know, realistically, their payroll has went up from last season. It's only by 3 million. It's a trifling amount. It's an embarrassing amount because this is a $10 billion industry. And it's embarrassing, not just for the Rays, it's embarrassing for the entire industry that they've had this kind of off season. It's concerning for a number of reasons. I don't know how they're going to figure out you know, how they would punish the Rays or how they would prove the Rays haven't put the money in because again, their payroll has technically went up and blah, blah, blah. So on the one hand, I definitely understand what the union is saying and I don't like what the Rays have really done, especially lately when it comes to finances. But realistically I don't see what can come of this that will actually be meaningful. Yeah, so it's
0: a I guess this is not the first time that the union has gone after small market teams and Sort of just, it seems like it's almost more sending a message as opposed to actually thinking anything's
1: going to come of it. Would that be, you think, an accurate statement? Yeah, it's probably symbiolic. You know, the union, even with the stuff, uh, the pace of play stuff, it's clear that they are not happy with how this offseason has played out. They have reason to not be happy with how this offseason has played out. And they're just trying to show the league in the ways that they can. But hey, this is not acceptable. And we are very aware that there's even some shady stuff going on or y'all have no intention of breaking the illusion that there's some shady stuff going on. So, yeah, I think it's basically just semiotic above all.
2: Um so getting into the specific things that the Rays did do uh, in order to show that they were making moves, I guess, is is they took uh, we'll start big, the face of the franchise, who admittedly is not a player, you know, at his peak, but they they traded away Evan Longoria. Did did that move makes sense from a baseball sense or even from a, a marketing sense or
1: anything else? Uh, not really. Uh, the thing about the Longoria trade is it seemed primarily driven by finances. And the worst part of it is they is it didn't even really save that much money because they had to take back Denard Span's deal. And they also sent cash to San Francisco. You know, the main piece they got in return was Christian Arroyo and, you know, nothing against Arroyo, but, The Giants have a reputation for being a pretty savvy front office nowadays. And I just continue to ask myself, if you're the San Francisco Giants, you have Christian Arroyo, who is pretty close to being a big league-ready third baseman. Why would you trade a younger, cheaper third baseman for an older, more expensive third baseman unless you were convinced that either Arroyo is worse than teams like the Rays think he is or that Longoria is better than teams like the Rays think he is? Now, you can say, hey, you know, maybe they wanted uh, a star. Maybe they wanted a big name. I don't know. Maybe. But that seems like a stretch to me. And I think it's a fairly – let me put it this way. I think it would be a good outcome for Christian Arroyo if he turns into a Logan Forsythe kind of player. And that's perfectly fine. That's a useful player. The Rays could benefit from having the actual Logan Forsythe back. But that's not really the kind of player you go out there and trade the face of the franchise for. And – you know, it's, it's disheartening and, you know, there was some talk about the ten five rights and all that. And it's just kind of laughable because Evan Longoria did so much for this franchise and the Rays got so lucky on like four or five different occasions from Longoria's career alone you know the fact that he was available at number three for them to draft the fact that he signed that first extension the fact that he signed that second extension you know those are super below market value uh, rates both times and the fact that he developed into the player he did you know we know he's not old Evan Longoria he's not an MVP caliber player anymore but he was still worth what three to three to four wins and that's nothing to sneeze at I mean if Arroyo turns into a three to four win player the Rays did amazingly well in this trade so uh, I don't think it made a lot of sense from a baseball perspective I don't think it made a lot of sense from a marketing perspective it made sense from a financial perspective but not really as much sense as it should have made so it's just kind of a puzzling deal all around and it's a disheartening one because again Longoria was the franchise his restaurant chain in Saint Petersburg slash Tampa was actually featured in the drop. It's called Duckies. So there's just a lot of um, a lot of unsettled feelings that arise from talking about that trade. And frankly, you know, as someone who grew up watching this team, and I'm kind of not really a race fan anymore, the James Shields trade kind of killed that. It was like the last, uh, you know, the last sliver of my childhood teams and of that, you know, emotional connection to this franchise. I used to say that as long as the Rays had Joe Madden, Andrew Friedman, and Evan Longoria, they had a chance. And now they don't have any of the three, and, you know, they probably don't really have a chance. So it's kind of, uh, it's bittersweet, I guess, because, you know, good for Longoria that he gets to go to uh, a wonderful fan base, a team that can potentially make the postseason this year, and so on. But, yeah, it stinks in some ways.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned uh, Friedman and Madden and the Giants smart front office. The big thing for the Rays in the past has been that they were the smarter, you know, extra 2%, as Jonah Carey wrote, team. And now it seems like a lot of the other front offices is caught up. You have Billy Appler, who they, you know, traded them CJ Crone, you know, and basically a dickerson Crone flip. I'm wondering if this is sort of a situation where this Rays advantage that they used to have is gone.
1: It's gone, yeah. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I don't wanna But how do you you really feel? (laughs) It's yeah, it's way gone. The thing is, okay, how do I put this kindly? Friedman excelled by managing his roster really well, managing his assets really well. And you know, you talk to people who worked underneath him, he really valued input. He made everyone feel like they had a voice. You know, he would go up to interns and ask them, How do you feel about this player? You know, he was very much someone who seemed to believe that you never know where inspiration or a good idea can come from. You talk to people about this group and i know there are smart people there i know there are smart people in this front office but they don't necessarily feel like they are as valued they don't necessarily feel like they are uh, put in a position to succeed and that's a problem because the rays have one of if not the largest baseball operations staff in all baseball this should be a team that you know with all their analysts and all are finding these inefficiencies and whatnot The problem is they're not very good at roster management and they're not very good at asset management. That's why you see them give away Corey Dickerson, basically give away Jake Odorizzi. I mean, the Dickerson DFA was one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. You know, their excuse was that, well, we didn't want this cloud hanging over Dickerson and the club. Two days later, they traded Steven Souza Jr. They didn't designate him for assignment. So how does that make any sense? You know, they gave away Tim Beckham last year for a six foot righty who's an A ball or rookie ball. I know that Tobias Myers has some prospect hype now, but Beckham went on to be like the best player in the American League for almost a full month, or you know, one of the best players in the American League for a full month. And now you look at this raised roster, and you know what, you know who would really make sense for this roster? Tim Beckham. <laughs> and there's there's just no logic to some of their moves. They're, they're just not seemingly very good at this. And, you know, I know they're ran heavily off algorithm, and you hear, complaints from some of their scouts that they don't feel like they even read their reports. And yeah, there's just a lot of, I mean, there's even stories that I I don't want to get into here, but there are some very bad stories out there that kind of make the Rays look incompetent when it comes to some negotiations and some evaluation stuff. And it's very, you know, you could say on one hand, well, you know, you could probably find these stories for any team that's suffered through a couple of these losing seasons like the Rays have, but at the same time, that doesn't make this any more encouraging because how many of those losing teams turn it around after going through those stories? Maybe they're the new Pittsburgh Pirates. You know, Neil Huntington early on had some very, very bad PR. Maybe they're the new Houston Astros. We all know the disaster that that team was from a PR perspective the first few years as well. But until they get the results on the field, there's really no reason to give them the benefit of a doubt, even though we know that people like Eric Neander, James Click, High and Bloom, and all of them are smart people. We know that, but they haven't really proven it.
2: So the Rays will dress 25 men and put them in Major League uniforms, give them all numbers, and put names on their backs. We'll see. They might uh,
1: dress 24. That's more efficient.
2: <laughs> uh, efficient, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you don't always use that 25th guy. Why pay him? Um, exactly. But what, when it all the product gets onto the field, I think we've seen a lot of a million dollars here, a million dollars there, guy comes in, guy goes out. What kind of product is on the field this year?
1: (laughs) Not a great one. Um, If we're talking about like the quality of players, it's not going to be a very good team. Like they have the potential to run out the worst bench and bullpen in all baseball. I mean, I know they've made some additions lately, but Daniel Hudson was pretty bad last two seasons, even though I like him more than his numbers suggest. Sergio Roma was horrible with the Dodgers before finding new life with the Rays, you know, some of the ever arms there, Chas he's bounced around forever. Jose Alvarado, pretty wild, but he's an interesting power arm, so on and so forth. Uh, the lineup itself, I mean, Denard Span has missed like an average of 50 games in each of the past three seasons, so he's probably going to miss some time. Matt Duffy hasn't played in over a year. He's probably going to miss time. Kiermeyer misses time every single season. Carlos Gomez has been inconsistent. Brad Miller is both inconsistent and a threat to miss games due to injury. Ramos has missed time. Krohn is okay, but nothing special. You know, Echevarria, nobody really talked about Echevarria's defense as being, you know, elite, top three or whatever until he got to Tampa Bay. And then the hype machine kind of rolled a little bit, but, you know, he's what he is. And then Malik Smith is not going to hit, and he's basically Sam Fold. So, you know, I just went through their entire starting lineup. You can maybe sub in Christian Arroyo if you really believe they're going to carry him from camp or Joy or Daniel Robertson, or Hayes' Sucre. This is not a good lineup. This is not a good team. This is going to be a team that's going to struggle to score runs. They're going to struggle to hold leads late, most likely, and they're not going to really be able to come from behind by using the bench the way they did, perhaps, in the past under Joe Madden and with some of those really well-built lineups. Or excuse me, with those really well-built bench, uh, benches. So, the upside is that you know perhaps as the season goes on, the Rays start to introduce some of these youngsters. They do have one of the better farm systems in baseball. Although I would note that it's largely because of their death rather than necessarily having a ton of impact. So you know, Willie Ademus, maybe he's the shortstop by July, June. Uh, maybe they introduce Jake Bauer as an outfield or first base role by then. Maybe they introduce you know you can go down the list, and that's certainly. Uh, Going to be the one thing to really watch for this race team because otherwise, you know, the product's not going to be too fun.
2: Um, just as an aside, I believe you're the second podcast guest in a row to say
1: depth, and I heard death. Uh. <laughs> well, I mean, with this team, both are fitting, right?
0: Yeah, it might, might have been a bit of a Freudian slip there. yeah uh, <laughs> And just before we get to a prediction, who is the fifth starter? I thought it might have been Brent Honeywell, but obviously that's just more bad news for the team. I don't actually know who it is.
1: Uh, Matt Andrees, but he's going to start the season in the bullpen. They're going to go over four man rotation for April, I believe. And whether that works or not, I don't know, because uh, Nathan Evaldi is obviously coming off Tommy John surgery. And, you know, knowing the Rays and their luck, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Andrees has to come out of the bullpen uh, before May rolls around. I will note, though, that they're going to try to experiment with having a number of guys, a number of relievers, excuse me, who can go multiple innings and pitch to a lineup one time through. So I don't know if Andres is going to figure into those plans long-term or if they're going to move him to the rotation for certain, they do have some of our options in the minors, including Anthony Banda who they just acquired and Jose De Leon, who they acquired last year uh, for Logan Forsyth. So they have options even without Honeywell, but um, yeah, it's not going to be as exciting as Honeywell would have been. <laughs>
0: All right, so after all that nice rosiness about this lovely club, where do you think they end up this
1: year? Uh, I, You know, again, Pakoda says around 84. I think that's too high. I don't think that properly accounts for how bad the bullpen and bench can be or the uh, durability concerns with a lot of their starting caliber players. So I'm going to guess that they play the Super 2 game with basically all their prospects and that they end up around, say, 79 wins. Oh, all right, all right. A,
2: a uh, below five hundred number, which we've been doing these predictions for like three years, I think, and and a below five hundred number in the AL East is very a rare thing indeed for someone to come
1: <laughs> up with. Yeah. Well, they're gonna win at eighty nine now because I said that. By the way, exactly, they're gonna made me look like a complete idiot.
0: Don't worry, they'll go nine and zero against the Jays at the Trop because <laughs> it's just the way it happens. Been there too many yeah. times. So uh,
2: should I share your Twitter with the masses? I understand there's a no hate tweet re- rule or something with you.
1: Oh, I don't tweet, period. I try not to tweet, I should <laughs> say. But sure, you can you can share it. I'm a boring follow. Uh, usually, um, I mean, lately I've just been bickering about whether the race should sign Neil Walker and, you know, stuff like that. But I'm pretty boring. So it
0: just, so you know, RJ is officially the smartest guest we've ever had on here by saying he doesn't tweet. That's the rule number one <laughs> on Twitter,
2: isn't it? Don't tweet, and then there aren't oh, yeah. any other rules to worry about. It is r underscore j underscore Anderson, for those of you who are interested in to see how little he tweets. Um, of course, you can also read RJ's stuff at CBS Sports, and we do appreciate you coming along and uh, enlightening us as to where the Rays have uh, run around in circles all off season.
1: Yeah, I'm a ray of sunshine with this one.
2: I thought the bad puns were me. Have a good night, man.
1: Yep. Thanks for having me, fellas.
2: So, there you have everything you needed to know about the Rays, but were afraid to ask.
0: Yeah, it doesn't sound good there.
2: Not a lot of uh, optimism. Certainly, no respect that I've have detected. But I think the way they've sort of uh, behaved, maybe that's fair. You know, I, I'm not uh, I'm not saying they're they're an organization that makes a lot of sense right now when they've got all that money pouring in and nothing going back out. But you don't want to hear about. Yeah, I mean, Ar- oh, go ahead.
0: I was gonna say RJ is he's not a jaded fan. I mean, he just isn't really a fan of the team as much anymore. But he's coming at this from an you know, objective point of view. He's not the—he's not us. Like when the when the Jays do something we don't like.
2: No, uh, he's informed, but not uh, not biased, as it were. So we're going to move on from the team that you're not actually a fan of, back into questions about the team that you are a fan of.
0: Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly.
1: Here are the rules. First, I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now, how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please?
2: I gotta tell you, there's a lot less stress in my life trying to click buttons now that I've 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 embraced new technology for these.
0: It's always good. So hit me with the first first question. (laughs) Yeah. All right, this comes from Minor Leaguer at Minor Leaguer, and no, you're not on the trading block. It's just people are asking about you. Is your podcast pro or anti-pornography?
2: Um, okay, I can promise. That we will not broadcast any pornography because it's a family show. Uh, But I I respect anyone's right to make their own decision on pornography. How about that?
0: Perfect. And just for the record, this is because the Kansas City Royals are giving comments about the harmful effects of porn to their players. Just kind of nonsense.
2: I still don't understand it. I got to be honest. I I don't even know where that would come from.
0: It's just nonsense. I think we should just (laughs) move on.
2: Okay, moving on to question number two. Uh, Is it right? This is from Brad Urbanowitz. um, Is it right to think Tay Oscar Hernandez could be a platoon option rather than Pierce, or does Tay Oscar still need AAA time?
0: I thought he was kind of a good choice for Randall Gritchuk, actually. I mean, Randall Gritchuk is essentially a clone of Tay Oscar Hernandez. Lots of power, lots of strikeouts pretty good defensively and completing in all three spots. But over Pierce, I think Pierce is probably the better option still right now, simply because he has this history of mashing lefties and that's a perfect platoon partner for Granderson. But if Pierce wasn't here and you could say trade him and get a good reliever or something with the money, then I think Teoscar Hernandez would be a very useful fourth outfielder. Cause I don't think his ceiling is much higher than that.
2: Fair enough. So, Another question that probably requires some background uh, from at CaptainMaverick85, heartbroken for Roy. We all are. Uh, The question is, have you ever thought of buying a suitcase with a built-in boombox? This is a reference to the Blue Jays playing at a stadium where they were unable to use the sound system due to a nearby school doing standardized testing and requiring a quieter environment. So Josh Donaldson hauled his own apparently suitcase with built-in boombox out onto the field uh in order to help the boys warm up is that purchase ever been on your radar
0: it hasn't but i think it should be
2: <laughs> it is now uh i feel like it would it would need to be baseball themed now that i know such a thing exists like there would have to be maybe a white suitcase with red stitching or something just to really tie it all together
0: <laughs> perfect
2: now, I don't know where I would use that because my neighbors would probably complain about the, their focus on whatever they were doing.
0: Then they could be like John Gibbons. <laughs> so our next question comes from Gideon Turk, former member of BP Toronto. What should the Blue Jays' bullpen cart look like if they used one?
2: Hmm. I think uh, since Domer disappeared, uh, I think you could bring Domer back in bullpen cart form because you'd have a little roof that could be the shell, um, and maybe even a convertible, like a retractable shell or something, where the guy could come out the top of the cart. You could really, you know, play around (laughs) with that idea. We've seen enough Blue Jays, more Domer.
0: Yeah, that Domer might have an interesting connotation to a lot of people, but I'm with you.
2: The the retractable turtle bullpen cart, the obvious choice at Turf Pod. (laughs) (laughs) So Colleen Evans asks, at Colleen Evans 6, the Rays have released Dustin McGowan. Is there a place on the Jays for him?
0: Dustin McGowan is the Blue Jays pitcher version of Colby Rasmus and that he's the greatest player of all time. But no. (laughs) Sorry, no, there isn't. I, I just think that if you, on a minor league deal as depth, sure, but despite his success last year he's just too hard to count on
2: i have i cannot believe dustin mcgowan is still alive and able to throw a baseball 100 miles an hour ish uh at all i just that whole comeback my head explodes every time i think about that makes brandon morrow's comeback just look like nothing uh so mad respect to him but yeah i i he should just remain as some sort of weird rehabbing legend in blue jays history
0: Works. All right. Last question question comes from Luke J. Bats Forever at Letters. Who on the Jays would be most likely to succeed as a two-way player if they tried?
2: I'm going to take the soft answer here. I'm going to say Marcus Stroman because we know Marcus Stroman can pitch, and actually we know he can hit. As a matter of fact, he's hit home runs. He's hit doubles. He can pinch run. He's he's quick. Uh, you know what? what else do you need if you're going to put a guy into the lineup on a regular basis, uh, other than that, that raw ability to be honed down a little bit?
0: I'm going to take this answer and say the guy that should flip from his current role to the other one, Luke Bailey. <laughs> Dude can throw. <laughs> Dude can't hit.
2: <laughs> so you let him pitch out of the bullpen, and then you, uh, you and double catcher. switch him as a catcher? Like the- yeah.
0: Yeah, like the Padres tried to do with Christian Betancourt, and it failed spectacularly. I'd love to see that.
2: All right, there you go. So you could have... Uh, I wonder if you could end up with a Luke Bailey-Marcus Stroman battery, but reversed due to some sort of horrible roster crunch.
0: Marcus Stroman catcher. Now that would be interesting.
2: Well, you can keep the ball low in the zone. <laughs> That's not very nice at all. You know what else is not very nice? When we hand out do-overs.
1: Oops, you said the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet.
2: (laughs) But what if you could do it all over again? But
1: what I really meant was...
2: So today's do-over comes courtesy of Barry Davis and his new podcast that I can't really remember the name of at the moment. uh...
0: Out of the park.
2: Ah.
1: (laughs) Dalton Pompey is at the stage of his career where I believe he's really done all he's going to be able to do at AAA.
2: Stop right there, Barry. Stop right there. Last year, Dalton Pompey didn't do anything at AAA because he was hurt all year and he couldn't play. So we don't know what Dalton Pompey can do at AAA.
0: Why yeah, he would... had seventeen plate appearances in Buffalo last year while rehabbing an injury? He would. He has no
2: value to anybody right now because he's just a big question mark i respect that i don't think the talent's changed but no one is going to trade you anything for the potential talent if he's feeling good this year ridiculous so this was all part of a a barry asking um you know basically the jays to put her put up her shut up and trade
0: dalton pompey what are you talking about well, it, there's more to this. It was put up or shut up and it was trade him or play him. He kept on saying he doesn't need to play every day anymore, doesn't need to play every day anymore. And he's like, so trade him somewhere he can play every day. Like, wait a minute, huh? Which is it? <laughs> Dalton Pompey needs to play every day. Absolutely he does. And the only place he's gonna do that is in Buffalo because he hasn't played in a year and a half. Like and another thing uh, in this in this whole thing he's talking about he's like he's a perfect fit for the fourth foul two fielder. He's a perfect fit. The Jays already have four outfielders. Steve Pierce is the fourth outfielder. They don't need a fifth one. That's why Ezekiel Carrera got DFA'd. Yeah, and is now wondering where he's going to play. Like,
2: oh my God, okay. Like, Barry, it was, are you
0: paying attention? <laughs> no, the answer is clearly no. It's just one of the worst things he could Like The only thing that Dalton Pompey should do is play in AAA and finally try to see if he can stay healthy and show the team what he's got. There's nothing else for him right now
2: yep uh also a note uh can i get barry's studio like if that's his actual studio that is showed in the clip that i just played the audio off of i would like that
0: yeah that'd be a lot better (laughs) than what we currently do which no to that one random person is i'm not recording this from my basement because i don't have a basement
2: a basement would be extra yeah oh good times what a what a strange world we live in where Barry Davis can pull... Yeah, anyway, I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter about that <laughs> at all. Barry, maybe check and see uh, exactly what a guy you're talking about has done in the past 365 days to see what he might be worth on this current day and why uh, he needs the treatment he's getting, not some other treatment. Fair? Fair. So yeah, maybe Barry would like to come on our podcast. I hear he's available. <laughs> Alright, my friend. Uh, this is the part where I ask you if you have a final thought.
0: Yeah, I, I do. I'm, I'm down here in the spring and as a, as you mentioned, so I'm, I'm going to some of these games and watching them. It's not so much in the way of takeaways just from what I'm seeing, but one thing that I have found interesting, Max Pentecost, who you know, he's the perma-injured Minor league catcher who is not injured and wasn't really injured last year. The guy's got a gun. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, no one ran on him because there, you know, it was, just wasn't the situation. But he uncorked a throw during warmups, which was harder than anything I've seen any of the other catcher's throw. So that was nice to see considering he had so many shoulder problems. Interesting.
2: Uh, just a random observation that Anthony Ghost was once again placed on waivers. As a as a pitcher, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. so even with everything that's happened to poor Devin Travis, the Jays still won the Anthony Ghost trade.
0: And there's an article that came out around this, which makes him seem really bizarre. Tell me more. I'll try to find it and link it in the podcast post because it's like it's really, really strange. I'll, <laughs> you just have to read it.
2: All right. All right. I look forward to finding that link somewhere in the podcast post very shortly. Ladies and gentlemen, this uh, means that I should tell you that uh, you have been Joshua housem at Joshua Hausman, and I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010. Of course, you can find our Patreon at com slash TurfPod. And our guest this week was rj anderson of cbs sports uh his twitter r underscore j underscore anderson because i love when people put underscores in things (laughs) oh my goodness and this has been artificial turf wars episode number 91 and we'll talk to you next week